the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast, where the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today, we're getting things a little liquored up for everybody out there. We're getting turnt. Exactly. No teetotalers allowed. Uh, We are going to talk two bar-centric uh, little franchises here. Maybe not franchises, but uh, pieces of media. We're going to talk the 1988 film Cocktail with Tom Cruise as the lead. I think a lot of people remember that one. Mm-hmm. And then what goes very well with it uh, is Cheers, classic sitcom from the 80s and 90s. So I think they uh, these pair very well together. I think so, too. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'm excited to talk about them because I remember... Uh, we saw Cocktail, this was a movie Dad showed us, I can't remember when, how old we were, but it wasn't, it wasn't very old. <laughs> way too young for watching something like this. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Way too uh, young. Uh, all right. So maybe you can set our minds back, John, to, uh, those younger days for us. Uh, and let's talk 1988. All right. Well, the film was released on July 29th, 1988. The Billboard Top 100 single of that week was Hold On to the Nights by Richard Marks. I don't remember it off the top of my head. Hold on to the nights. Okay. That's, I, I kind of remember that. I listened to it before this, and I did not recognize it until I got to that part. And I was, then after hearing it, I kind of went, okay, I remember it, but definitely not one that was on any kind of rotation yeah. anywhere. Uh, uh, topping the Nielsen ratings was, of course, The Cosby Show. Uh, video game players were spending the month playing the game Bionic Commando. Oh, okay. I remember that one. It's a title I remember, but I don't think I ever played. Mm -hmm. Uh, The New York Times bestseller was a book called Alaska by James Mishner, who I recognize his name, and I kind of recognize some of his titles, but I've definitely never read any of his books. But pretty prolific. He's been writing books. I think his first one came out in 47, and his last one that I saw was like 2007. Oh, wow. Okay. So he wrote for a while. Yeah, long career. And uh, my fun fact... Uh, kind of given the times at which we were recording this, uh, Boris Yeltsin's first trip to a Texas grocery store in 1988 shattered his belief in communism. He told his fellow Russians and his entourage that if their people, who often had to wait in line for most most things, saw U.S. supermarkets, quote, there would be a revolution, <laughs> end quote. And uh, there kind of was. Okay. A bit. So that was 1988. All right. Well, thank you, John. Uh, now it's time to get things a little shaken, but not stirred, uh, and let's talk cocktail. Cocktail from 1988. This film was directed by Roger Donaldson. Uh, he directed some other films that we know, Cadillac Man, mm-hmm. Dante's Peak, and Species. Uh, the film was written by Haywood Gould. He also wrote a book 
uh, that this movie is based on. So he wrote the novel and then also did the screenplay for it. Mm -hmm. He wrote uh, some other stuff, things called Rolling Thunder, One Good Cop. Uh, those are other books I think that he had written, has written. I hadn't heard of any of them. Mm -hmm. uh, and also the some work on the TV show The Equalizer, which I never okay. saw that show. But I remember uh, Den Denzel Washington has a, you know, a movie franchise of that. Okay. Now. I was going to say, I recognize the title, but I didn't ever watch it. Yep. Uh, music was done by J. Peter Robinson. Uh, he did music for things like Wayne's World, Vampire in Brooklyn, uh, The Wizard. We know okay. that movie. Yep. Uh, also, the show Charmed did all the music for Charmed. Okay. And then also this awesome Disney made-for-TV movie, John, that I loved and you hated, Brink. Oh, music blah. for that. Uh, and I want to call out the cinematographer because that person was very impressive. Dean Semler. Uh, they did the the uh, the cinematography for The Road Warrior and Beyond the Thunderdome. Oh. Also, Young Guns, Dances with Wolves, Waterworld, The Power of One, Apocalypto. Uh, so, some big epic movies. Oh, wow. Yeah, a lot of good stuff in there. Yep. Power of One is a movie I think we, if we can, we got to get on there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'd like to have that on there because it's a, yeah. just a, a fantastic film that I don't think enough people know about. I totally agree. Yep. So, all right, uh, talking our cast, we have Brian Flanagan, played by Tom Cruise. Everybody knows Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible, yada, yada, yada. He's in tons of stuff. Doug Coughlin, or Coughlin, I think Coughlin, is how he yeah. pronounced it. Yep. Uh, is played by Brian Brown. He hasn't been in too much that I recognized. He was in that Gods of Egypt film recently, Okay. Gorillas in the Mist, but most stuff I didn't really, I only know him from this movie. I think, I think he's been in a lot of uh, Australian... TV and okay. movies and stuff like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Jordan is played by Elizabeth Shue, best known as John's number one crush. Yeah, uh, from the eighties. No, in no small part due to this film. Uh, fair. She is adorable. She is yeah. just very girl next door. Yeah, but who happens to be super rich? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we know her, you should know her from Karate Kid, Adventures of Babysitting, The Boys, more recently, mm -hmm. uh, but also Back to the Future two and three. Carrie is played by Kelly Lynch. Uh, she was in Roadhouse, uh, a Charlie's Angels film, Curly Sue, some other stuff. Coral is played by Gina Gershon. Uh, short, small little role in here, but I see here you immediately recognize her. And I, I remember her best from Showgirls, honestly. Okay, I remember her best from Bound. I don't know. I don't know Bound. Uh, yeah, you definitely need to go watch that one. <laughs> okay, I will have to check it out. Uh, and then Bonnie is played by Lisa Baines, and she was in Gone Girls, she was in Young Guns, and some other stuff. Okay. This movie, John, not known for its awards, in fact, kind of the opposite. It did win some awards, but not the ones you want. Uh -huh. It won two Razzies that year. Uh, for what? It won Worst Screenplay, and it won Worst Picture. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a, yep. that's a bit strong. It beat out Rambo 3, Caddyshack 2, a movie called Hot to Trot, and it beat out Mac and Me for worst movie of the year. Wow. <laughs> yeah. that, them's fighting words. <laughs> yeah. And this is actually our second uh, Razzie worst picture that we have ever uh, reviewed. Do you want to take a guess what our other one that actually won worst picture? I, I'm almost wondering if it's another kind of unexpected one. We, no, it's we, very expected. It's very expected. Was it Supergirl? Not Supergirl, but it does have also has a big tie to Back to the Future, like with uh, this one does with Back to the Future two and three. Elizabeth Shue, uh, a Back to the Future actress, was in that one. The other um, one, 
Was, she was actually my number one 80s crush. Oh, was it Howard the Duck? Howard the Duck okay. won, won the worst Razzie, which I think is quite fitting. Uh, the budget for this movie was $20 million, and it earned a whopping $171 million. Wow. That's a he- huge success. Huge. I think it was kind of riding high on just the name of Tom Cruise. It, it had to have, because it's, it's obviously rated R, and yeah. so it's like, to, for a movie... To get that kind of a, a poll is, I think, quite impressive. Yeah, I agree. Phew. So, uh, all right. So let's start our scene by scene breakdown, and we start off with some title cards, and we get a song "Wild Again" by the band Starship. see brian is this army guy who him and his kind of fellow army guys are acting a bit weird in a car honestly but they pull (laughs) her pull her over and stop a bus uh so he can get on and he's heading to new york he's trying to find his fame basically uh and throughout the movie and and definitely early on we see him kind of reading like the you know how to get rich quick kind of books right he wants to be you know exactly a a guy um like an entrepreneur kind of dude who who finds his million I will say it does. It is always not crazy, but man, in those day, in those shots, when you see like the the coming into New York, it's just the two those glorious two towers. Man, yeah. you see the shot, it's just like, damn, I miss those. They're just beautiful buildings. There, there was no skyline quite like pre two thousand one New York skyline. It just, yeah. you could instantly tell yeah. where you were, at, yep. from you know just just the skyline. It was amazing. Yeah. All right, so Brian heads to a bar, and we meet his Uncle Pat, uh, who says he's willing to give him a job, but Brian doesn't want to do that. He wants to try and go to Wall Street uh, and work. You know, he wants to, he wants exactly what he wants to do, try and schmooze his way to become a millionaire. Uh, so he tries to do that, and he doesn't have a degree, though, because he just got out of the Army. And so we get a whole montage of him basically getting shot down from different jobs and things like that. And then he ends up seeing a help wanted sign at this uh, bar closer to Wall Street. And he goes in. We meet Doug. And uh, Doug tries him out. That kind of thing. He's like, okay, sure. Willing to give him a shot. Um, And then we kind of cut to Brian, who is totally over his head, not knowing how to make drinks properly, not knowing what any of the drinks are. uh, And he's getting overwhelmed with the customers and shit like that. Uh, But even though he did terrible, Brian uh, offers him the job and, you know, kind of going to make him his his protege if you will mm. i do like the line um where brian says uh you know why do the waitresses hate me doug replies well you wait till you've given them crabs then you'll really know hatred wait till you give them crabs then they'll really hate you something <laughs> something like that it was that was pretty fucking funny the next day brian gets registered into college because he kept getting shot down you know mm-hmm. his goal is not to work at the bars that's just to keep things uh, going until he can make his millions on Wall Street. So he yeah. gets goes into like some finance classes and whatnot. And you can, again, also there, tell he's over his head. He's just, this stuff doesn't sink in like that. He is much more of a street smarts guy than he is a book smarts guy. Yeah, and also, it, I mean, listening to that professor talk, one, that was way more advanced than an introduction to financing <laughs> yes. uh, class. And two, like... I really, you know, and granted, I went to college much later than this movie, at least, uh, you know, 10, 12 years after this movie was made. 
And I didn't know any college professors who talked like that. Yeah. It was just it was frustrating listening to the guy. I'm like, there's there's no way that that guy is a successful professor. No, no. Like most that. most college professors I know are very welcoming and, and nice. Um, this is he's just one of those kind of just massive dicks. Yeah, and it, it it was very much I think a sort of like a stereotype of a uh, mm-hmm. hoity-toity professor who expects you to you know get everything on the first try and blah blah blah. So I don't know. I was unnecessarily frustrated with the yeah. the kind of montage scenes of him in class. Cut back with him with Doug and Doug trying to give him some bartending tips. And the next night, we kind of see a little progression, just things like that. We're, we're seeing he's doing better, um, but still tell he's a little bit fresh. But ultimately, he's very dead set. He tells Doug, hey, this is just a part-time thing for me. So we kind of go back for some of these college scenes, and he has to write his own obituary, which is a really kind of weird uh, you know, class project or you mm-hmm. know, the, to do that for homework. But... But he kind of works on it that evening, which is ridiculous. He's, you know, talking about how much money he's going to make and having said, you know, he's going to die having just had sex with his sixth 18 year old uh, <laughs> wife like or some eight, shit like that. 18 year old seventh wife or something like yeah, that. Yeah, some crazy. So but we just in general, we see him. He's very tired because at night he's working at the bar um, and during the day he's at community college and all that kind of shit. Now some scenes where he's doing pretty well. Uh, at the bar, you know, after after some practice, we hear the song Addicted to Love. Which is a hell of a good song. Soundtrack on this show on this movie was pretty damn good. It really was. They had a um, yeah, a bunch of just really good 80s. Actually, I think, yeah, the soundtrack, looking at it, hit the charts. Wow, it got number two on the Billboard 200. The wow. soundtrack did. So this was a pretty decent selling uh, soundtrack for sure. Yeah, there are good songs on here. Yeah, very much so. But we see also, and Tom Cruise, known for being kind of like, you know, that 80s heartthrob where Mm -hmm. he's serving these ladies in uh, the bar and they're just loving it. He ends up, you know, (laughs) working the crowd and and they're they're loving him Uh, at school. We see, yeah, the dick teacher and Brian tries to comfort a student behind him. You know, he's literally just trying to say something nice to help a student behind him. And the teacher just rips into him like a real fucking asshole where he gives him an F. And, uh, you know, Brian, of course, d- thinks he doesn't know shit and all this kind of stuff. Um, but because he wants the wealth and whatnot, you know, he said, eh, fuck it, him and Doug get drunk. <laughs> so in the morning, they talk about wanting to start their own place. And Doug kind of mentions uh, cocktails and dreams. That would be the, either the name of it or that'd be like a sign on the bar, that kind of thing. Yep. They decide to become partners. And this is uh, going to be a plan. They want to start their own bar because Doug is managing that other place, but they don't own it. Right. So. Uh, We get another scene of them bartending together, but now everything is in sync. Like, they're doing well together. Um, They're really killing it. And this guy wants to hire him, he says. Okay. And then we cut to this very posh (laughs) club called Cell Block and a funny scene where a yuppie poet uh, gives a, a kind of a interesting poem. I am the world's first yuppie poet. The bottom line. Stick it in your Volvo. Money isn't everything, they say. Okay, so what is sex? It's better than sushi. Did you ever make love to a pauper? Pee. 
you! I'd rather hunt the camel! Revolution? It takes money to overthrow the government, you know. Whoa! That's deep. Art, the more it costs, the better it is. And that's the bottom line! I definitely remembered this. Yeah, when it came up. Yeah, this is this was uh, one of the bigger scenes because after the yuppie finishes it, the crowd is still in and into it and wanting more poetry. And so to get more poetry and maybe to get some attention back on the bar, uh, Brian stands up and gives them a poem. I am the world's last barman poet. Okay. Give us a kiss, you sexy beast. Okay. I see America drinking. The fabulous cocktails I make. America's getting yeah. stinking on something I stir or shake. The sex on the beach. The schnapps made from peach. The velvet hammer. The Alabama slammer. I make things with juice and froth. The pink squirrel. The three-toed sloth. I make drinks so sweet and snazzy. The iced tea, the kamikaze. The orgasm. Oh, hands up the merchandise. The death spasm. The Singapore sling, the ding-a-ling. Ding-a-ling? America, you're just devoted to every flavor I've got. But if you want to get loaded, why don't you just order a shot? And that poem is awesome. To me, like, that is, you know, one of the, the main scenes and the kind of like the main moments of this film. Yeah. I'm trying to, I was looking up the name of the yuppie poet because I definitely recognize, he's a character actor I've seen a billion times. He looked familiar, but yeah, I, I remember I tried to look him up and when I looked him up, I couldn't really recognize him from anything else so okay. i yeah i definitely i recognize him from hot shots oh okay um a few other things i mean he's he's been in a hundred things yeah um or so he, he, he did actually it looked like he disappeared for a while but he's he's back on doing stuff okay but yeah i definitely <laughs> i he, i've probably seen him a hundred times in the background of movies before. yeah yeah just looking at his face i'm just like oh crap i i again i'm like i have seen you and it's definitely for me. It's like I feel like a one-off from a show that I love a lot, like a like a Scrubs or like a um, maybe How I Met Your Mother. I don't know, but he mm-hmm. is definitely has that just that face that you've definitely seen around. Yeah. So uh, we then meet Coral there. She's a photographer, kind of hip, good-looking Gina Gershon, all that kind of stuff. She's flirting hard, and uh, we see Brian and Doug are really kind of doing their thing. Uh, and of course, then we cut to Brian fucking Coral that night. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> that's and how it goes. Apparently that, that take of them like rolling around in the bed and falling uh-huh. off was actually because Tom Cruise knew how actually ticklish Gina Gershon was. And uh. so that was, they were just screwing around and that was the take they used. Cause he was just, he, he knew she was ticklish. So she, he just tickled mm-hmm. her. Okay. That's funny. That's cute. I mean, it comes off cute. Yeah, it was cute. Do you think, uh. I, the first, the second she appeared on, because I saw her name in the credits, I was like, "Oh, Gina Gershon." She came on, and my first thought was, she had work done. Oh, oh, uh, like more recently? Like, n- no, like I since like later since you know, I I I don't know when, but like something tells me like she maybe she had like a nose job done or something like that. Oh, gotcha. She looked more natural back in 1988. Yes. Yeah, I, I think I, you're. Probably I could be wrong, but that was my. 
I unfortunately that was my first thought. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I, I do kind of remember um, thinking that she did look a little bit different. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, but they kind of seem to be a thing now. So mm-hmm. Coral and Doug are legitimately dating. Or sorry, Coral and Brian are legitimately <laughs> dating. Um, we see them all talking together about the potential, you know, for this cocktails bar, this place that they want to do. And Coral's in on it, pitching that they, you know, to save up, they should move to Jamaica for three years to try and earn a shit ton of money uh, and then come back and they can start the bar. Uh, Doug is not interested in moving to Jamaica. Uh, and so they kind of bicker a little bit. But uh, so Doug and Brian are playing basketball, talking about this stuff. And Doug ends up warning Brian about Coral. He's like, man, he thinks she's fucking someone else. And mm-hmm. he thinks that she's just not good for Brian. So uh, we cut to the bar and Coral comes in and she starts making out with Doug. This shit happened fast. <laughs> it's, it happened real fast. Um, so, yeah, I guess she is fucking someone else. And it's fucking Doug. <laughs> what, and what, what really got me is that. Like, her reasoning for it was, like, him talking about their sex life, which yeah. she didn't come off as a person who would have given a shit about him talking about his sec- their sex life. Yeah, and we never saw that. And, and well, I guess it, because it didn't happen. It was bullshit, but, like, yeah, it was weird. Yeah. I, I feel like there should have been some more in there before that happened, but I, I understand yeah. for time why it didn't. Yeah, trying to move. And also just feels like... I don't feel like I see Doug being this massive ladies man. Like, you know, he just, he ends up getting these attractive ladies and can steal them from fucking Tom Cruise. Okay. Um, but I'd like to see that a little bit more. Right. Um, but it's it just all of a sudden it, you know, it happened off screen. And so it's just now corals with him. So it's like, okay. But ultimately Doug says, and he did it on purpose to basically prove that she isn't trustworthy. Like that's a dick fucking move, and so well, Brian slugs him. He also he also says I had to win my fifty bucks back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, from uh, playing basketball. Yeah, he yeah. lost. Uh, he lost some money because Brian was quite good at it. So, uh, so Brian punches Doug and fucking quits. He's out of there. Um, we cut to a Caribbean island resort, definitely probably Jamaica, and Brian is working as a bartender. So he's kind of fulfilling the plan that Coral set out, which is go down and save up. You know doing a whole bunch then. And uh, here is where we enter love interest Jordan, uh, who comes into the bar yelling one of her friends has passed out. And so Brian uh, hops over and, you know, tries to help take care of her. She drank too much and whatnot. And in the middle of her friend almost dying, her and Brian are kind of like flirting (laughs) with each other. So interesting way to get that going. Uh, And then we get the song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. song I wrote. Might want to sing it note for note, don't worry, be happy. Which is a great song, but I yeah. do remember, oh no, I always confuse this. Does Bobby McFerrin hate this song? No, I keep, I always do this every time. I confuse it with uh, Herbie Hancock's Rocket. He hates that. He hates Rocket, right? No, you were right. It's Bobby McFerrin oh. who does, I don't know that he hates this song. He just refuses to perform it. Okay, okay, that's what it is. I'm sure, because this is the one big hit that I think people know from him. Yes, so. yeah. Yep. Uh, Jordan goes back to the bar the next day, does some more flirting, and then, out of nowhere, appears Doug. And he uh, kind of, you know, lets himself be known to Brian when he asks for a red eye, which is this hangover drink that he, we see him drinking a couple other times, which mm-hmm. is a disgusting mix of, <laughs> like, tomato juice and an egg and some weird shit. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so it's apparent. We also find out it's apparently been two years since 
Uh, you know, they broke up as being friends. And we find out that Doug is there on his honeymoon. He is apparently married now to some really rich, attractive lady named Carrie. So, okay. Again, just kind of all this off-screen stuff of him being a ladies' man. I would have liked to see it a little bit, bit, bit yeah. more. Well, he's got the he's got the 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 charm. Yeah, he's got confidence. And the confidence. And I, I think that goes a long way for him. Oh, yeah. It definitely does. All right. So, they all four go to a bar together. And uh, I like this because like a, like a reggae band playing This Magic Moment mm-hmm. in the background. I kind of like that. Yeah. This Magic Moment. Jordan and Brian, you know, things are going hot for them. They're making out uh, late that night. Uh, And then we have a montage of them going on dates to the song, Oh, I Love You So by Preston Smith. Tell myself I won't no more be your actor again. Way up all so hard and fast, thing I've never been. In love, 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 like I've never been. In love, 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 here I go again. Heartache stays slow, you ain't got far to go. If you travel soon, I'm the adventure. And this whole time, I was like, I thought you were down there with a friend. Like you just you just <laughs> ditched your hungover friend for days now. So I hope she's doing okay. Yeah. But they talk about stuff and they talk about money and um, you know these things that uh, are making people millions, like tiny umbrellas and uh, shit like that. The uh, stuff, the th- the little plastic piece that comes at the end of shoelaces, which I think are called aglets. They are. But they called them flugel binder. Fugle, yeah, flugel binder binders. So. Uh, and then they end up having sex in a lagoon and uh, and a beach uh, in to the song Shelter of Your Love by Jimmy Cliff. Run for the shelter of your love. Run for the shelter of your love. Run for the shelter of your love. Why not? Yeah. I mean, it's hot. It's hot stuff. Uh, and Elizabeth Shue is hot stuff. And so, yes, if I was with her in 1988 in a lagoon, I certainly would be trying to have sex with her. <laughs> we get some glorious side boob. Yes, exactly. You do get good side. She takes her shirt off. You're kind of from her back, but you see just that nice side boob on the side. And, so and I sure wonder if that was actually her or a stand in, but yeah, it's hard to tell. Yeah. All right. At night at the cabana bar. Doug comes and he's bugging Brian, all this kind of stuff, making fun of him for not getting the rich girls. He keeps going for the, you know, the the worthless people. And that's what Doug's all about. Like he he wants to basically marry into money. That's mm-hmm. his whole plan. He's instigating Brian. That's pretty much what he's, what he's doing. Yeah. Also, I, I let's say Doug knows how to push Brian's buttons. Yes. And I think he I mean, I think he gets some sort of honestly some like sick joy out of like fucking up Brian's life. Yeah, yeah, you're you're dead on, and like he kind of kept calling him like his best friend and all this other kind of stuff too. And I'm yeah. like, you're an asshole. Like, why the fuck yeah. does Brian keep hanging out with you? Yeah, because I mean, so. he knew that he that uh, Brian was having this kind of you know relationship with this girl. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, yeah, I would not yeah. put it past him if he was purposely trying to. I mean, I think he kind of warned her about her, or warned him about her, or said mm-hmm. something to him to that effect. 
Yeah, he he definitely um, is an asshole. And yeah, right. He keeps pushing, and right now he's pushing him to pushing Brian to uh, go try and hit on uh, this other woman at the bar. This uh, slightly older looking lady, but she's you can tell has a shit ton of money. And they end up betting fifty dollars that he can't uh, you know go anywhere with her. You know, take her home. Um, but he uh, does end up doing well, and we see Brian walking away uh, with that woman who is Bonnie. But Jordan comes up right then and there. Um, kind of sees them walking away the kid together. So, of course, she is heartbroken. In the morning, Brian is upset at himself and he runs to Jordan. Uh, we do see that hungover friend <laughs> real quick. And she's like, <laughs> Ugh, uh, what did you do to her? She's on a flight back home now. And I'm like, oh, damn. Part of me was like, why did you not think that she had fucking money? Because she's just down in Jamaica, like hanging out. Like, of course, she's got to have some kind of money. Well, I'm not sure, like in the 80s, I wonder how like how expensive it actually was then. To mm. kind of go down to Jamaica, I think it's more expensive now. Gotcha. Than it probably was then. Then the uh, that rich lady, who uh, we saw Brian go home with earlier that night, she comes and she finds Brian because she wants more of that dick. Basically, she <laughs> she's loving that <laughs> that Brian D. So uh, then we see Brian and with Doug hanging out with him and his mostly naked wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Doug's wife, rich, has like a yacht basically. And doesn't wear much clothes, but she's got she's very attractive. Uh, so we see Doug is opening his own bar, and he offers Brian a job as head bartender. But Brian's like, no, fuck this. I'm not interested. Uh, and so he goes back to the rich lady. So he's trying to do what Doug did, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cut to New York, and things are not going well with Bonnie. He's basically not happy with her, and he doesn't fit in with her her, her group of friends. And they're all very snobby. And she also... Basically, you know, it's just treating him like a boy toy, like having him, you know, oh, just here, take my coat and you do this and do that. And, you know, he is kind of treated right. um, a little bit beneath her. Yeah. Although I would say to, it, it seemed like he was really pushing her to mm-hmm. do stuff. I kind of agreed with her and like you, you can't just especially if everyone knows that they're dating, you can't mm-hmm. just push someone else's, you know, a gender idea onto like the rest of your coworkers. Agreed. Because they're going to be immediately suspicious. So on the one hand, I kind of understand that, but she did n- not treat him well. Mm-hmm. So I I also understand his reaction. Yeah. So they're at this event, and Brian gets drunk, and he ends up making a whole scene and all this kind of shit, and so they end up breaking up. Uh, so Brian goes to try and see Jordan. He tries to apologize, and she, very well done, Throws food in his face <laughs> and dumps like a shake on his head and, yeah. you know, puts like pasta or something right on his shirt and whatnot. I like that. Chicken Alec uh, King. Womp. Yep. Um, that's what it is. Yeah, it's Chicken Alec King on, on his head. And he takes it well, honestly. He does yeah. the right thing and not getting he's upset, but he just he sits there and takes it. I like how, you know, he just kind of has to laugh it off. Yeah. But he waits to the end uh, of her work, kind of waiting outside as she leaves and he tries to explain himself and you know, it's not, uh, it's not going well. And then things amp up in the, in the uh, insanity when Jordan tells him that she's pregnant. Oh shit. And she ends up kicking him out. So, uh, Brian goes to see his uncle Pat. Of course he's, you know, looking for advice. I do like how uncle Pat, when he finds out that he got a girl pregnant, he kicks everyone out of the bar. Yeah. <laughs> He just kicks everyone out of the bar and to help give him some advice. Well, I think like it also what's funny is he kind of I can't remember if it happens at this point or earlier. He kind of makes a big deal about like not 
doing anything to disrupt the business. And then yeah. immediately he was like, she's pregnant. He goes, all right, everybody out. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, so he then tries to find Jordan, uh, who is at her parents' place. And so here is the big reveal is that goes to her parents' place, and it's a rich penthouse apartment, uh, very hoity-toity in Park Avenue. So they, they're mm-hmm. rich as fuck. Yep. And Doug meets Mr. Mooney, uh, the dad who tries to buy him off to you know pay him some money so he will leave them alone. And we find out Jordan didn't mention any of this money because Brian was too caught up on money in general. And that is true. That is a character trait of him. He's all he seems to care about. Doug trying to prove it, you know, proving his love to Jordan says, it's not about the money. Fuck this. And he rips up the check that, uh, that, uh, Jordan's dad gave to him. So, which was $10,000. Yeah. And adjusted for inflation would be, that can't be right. I'm guessing 27,000, $24,438. Okay. I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's not enough money for me to leave my wife. That's pretty damn sure. Right. $24,000 isn't all that much in the long term. Uh, but yeah. So Brian goes to see Doug. Um, and we weirdly see Doug's wife making out with another guy at, the, at this party. Well, she comes up and she kisses Brian like pretty deeply. Yes. And then walks over and kisses this other guy. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe she's a swinger. Uh, could be. No idea. But we... Uh, Go to this other small little boat that is Doug's boat, basically, and we find out that Doug tanked everything. He doesn't have any money. He he, he tanked the bar. Um, he blew everything, um, and he's drunk as shit. Brian comes because they, they made a bet. They say Louis the Third or something, but it's like this very expensive brandy. It's like a $500 mm-hmm. brandy, and so he bring, brings him this bottle. Then they're, they're all getting – they all got drunk on the boat or whatnot or, yeah. you know, whatnot, and so – because Doug is, you know, was drinking and whatnot. He, Brian ends up driving Carrie home. Carrie, who we had seen make out with other people and kiss Brian right away, she's trying to fuck Brian. And but he stops it, you know, and he's like, no, mm-hmm. no, no, because you know, Doug's Doug's my friend or something like that, and he doesn't right. want to do it. Um, and again, I'm like, Doug's a dick. Who gives a fuck, man? On, and it, honestly, it's it's hard to tell whether in their relationship, like she's actually screwing other guys and he doesn't care or maybe that's uh-huh. part of their dynamic. Yeah. Or whether or not Brian really would have cared it, yeah. or uh, Doug would have cared if Brian slept with her. Um, or it, it might have been the one case where he did care because it was Brian as opposed to some other stranger. See, and in my head, I feel like you should have fucked with her. You should have fucked her because it's almost like getting back for the whole coral thing. But he yeah. doesn't end up doing that. No, because he's a better person than Doug. He, and I'm, I guess I'm not a better person than Doug. <laughs> <laughs> I fight fire with fire. I match energy. It's what I do. But Brian stops it and he goes back to see Doug. And this is definitely a moment that I, I, I remembered bits of this. I didn't have it right for a long time in my head because I'd forgotten how he killed himself. But Brian uh, goes in and Doug is dead. He is sitting there like, on the table. Uh, he apparently slit his throat. With broken glass from the bottle that Brian had brought to him. That's a rough way to go. It's a terrible way to slitting, like cutting your own throat. Oh, fuck no. But it, be, because things are so terrible with how much he, he doesn't have any money and he's all fucked, you know, all that kind of stuff. For some reason, I had it 
I misremembered it in my head. I thought he died from like a cocaine overdose or something, but certainly not. No. I mean, it's a pretty I, obvious shot of him laying in a pool of his own blood. Yes. I remember that he killed himself. I did not remember how he killed himself. Though. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, later, Brian gets a note from Doug, uh, which ultimately motivates him to go see Jordan. Uh, you know, he has to run past security and this whole dramatic thing, you know, pushes himself into the apartment, tells he tells her he loves her and wants to marry her and, you know, gets thrown out. And then Jordan goes after him and they leave together. And basically the father's like, well, you're on your own. So he doesn't have, you know, their money. Jordan doesn't have her money. Uh, Brian and Jordan get married in uncle Pat's bar ASAP. Uh, and then we cross dissolve to maybe a year later or something. And there's a well, sign. It, it can't be a year later because she's still. Pregnant. Oh, she's still. Yeah, right. She is still pregnant. So, so it's not I mean, the, at best, maybe six months, seven months. You're right. At best. Um, but it is. He got a loan. We, we find out he got a loan from Uncle Pat and he's starting his own bar called Flanagan's. Uh, and there is a little like neon sign that says cocktails, serving cocktails or dream in dreams. Something yeah. like that. Um, so, yes, he is starting off his business and he's all excited about it. And the whole big crowd for like this grand opening and the crowd, what do they want, John? They want a poem. <laughs> and, you know, he gives them another good poem. Well, this poem is entitled Flanagan's Advice to His Unborn Child. Aww. Now, if Jordan gives birth to a fine Irish son, there'll be cocktails and dreams for him one day to run. Uh, a business that shall yield a financial windfall. It better. <laughs> to be franchised in every suburban shopping mall. A dynasty. You're founding a dynasty. Now, if a daughter arrives to bless our clan, I guess the shit will certainly hit the fan. But this... I shall promise to thee, I'll never let her marry a guy like me. Oh. Still, if our child's the naughtiest of girls or the wildest of young men, I swear I'll be the best dad I can and never, ever <laughs> get spooked again. I, do, I don't remember the 80s being so, like, poem-centric, but I guess yeah. those were oh, big yeah. things then. Exactly. I do remember poetry uh, coming back in a big way in the '90s, um, See, yeah, because there was okay. a lot of of, of, of uh, like poetry slams. Oh yeah, beatniks. Um, oh yeah, beatniks yeah, yeah. all over the '90s. Because I I remember going to several of them. Uh -huh. uh, friends putting them on in the house. I I knew someone who put one on. Um, they got it in like a coffee shop or something like that, or a restaurant. Um, and while I was still in high school, so that they, I remember in the '90s it was big. I did not remember that being so big in the '80s. So uh, then, you know, a nice little line here where bet I can still spook you. No way. Says, "Oh, I bet I can still spook you." She has leans down, and you know exactly what's going to happen. Brian lifts his head up. Twins. <laughs> And uh, he also then says, drinks are on the house. The bar is open, which, of course, Uncle Pat uh, vehemently <laughs> against that. So. Yeah. And then we end the movie again with the song, Oh, I Love You So by Preston Smith. And that is the end of Cocktail. Heartache stays slow. You ain't got far to go. 
I'd like to go first if you don't sure. mind. Yeah. Um, this had been a long time since I watched Cocktail. Honestly, it probably mm. was the last time I watched it. Probably was with Dad. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, it, it's not one that I've gone and seeked out. It's an okay movie, in my opinion. Is it Razzie worthy? No, of course not. Over Mac and Me? Are you fucking kidding? <laughs> Jesus. Um, even I remember Caddyshack Two not being good. I'm sure Rambo Three was bad. The movie's fine. Yeah, I do see kind of why it had issues with uh, the screenwriting and maybe why it won a Razzie for screenwriting because some stuff just it moved too quickly. Um, I felt like we didn't get, you know, uh, enough backstory or enough stuff filled in. Yeah, some of some of the acting, maybe it was and I don't maybe it's not the acting. Some of it might have been the writing and particularly mm-hmm. it's like some of the characters of Carrie and, and Bonnie. And other, no, nobody's fleshed out enough for mm-hmm. me. Even Doug, uh, you know, I just fe- very single motivated. And then it also just the dynamic felt weird because I don't feel like I got their friendship, yeah. you know, written properly. So it's not it's not a great movie. It's also, you know, or it's not a bad movie at times, but like surprised it made one hundred and seventy one million. I'll say props to the prop to this one for doing that because <laughs> it probably doesn't deserve it, but it's fine. I'm just going to give it and it's fine. OK, I also had not seen this movie in quite a long time. I. I cannot remember when the last time I actually saw it was, but I definitely, I, it definitely hit me in the nostalgia as it was going along. Okay. Cause I, I, I started to remember everything that was going to happen in the movie. And you're right. There, there are a lot of flaws about this and the writing is not great, but I still really enjoyed going back. And I think actually the fast pacing helped mm-hmm. to move okay. everything through. I, I gotta say I'd watch it again. You know, okay. I'd watch it again. I don't know that I'd, I'd you know, I, I would probably have to be by myself. I, when I went to watch it, I did ask my wife, hey, I have to watch this. Do you want to see it? And she immediately was like, nope. <laughs> so she either okay. had no nostalgic tie for it or n- knew that she didn't like it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and obviously I didn't show it to my kids. Yeah. But, <laughs> which uh, I guess I should have because that would have been more like our father. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... I actually had a good enough time going back and rewatching this. The soundtrack helped because it every time something new came on, I'm like, "Oh yeah, I remember this song." And some of these I only remembered from being in this movie, but it was, you know, there was still a lot of good stuff on the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I might go back and see if I can actually buy the soundtrack or yeah. at least accumulate all the songs as I need. Um, and I think Kokomo actually was written for this movie uh, oh, because really? it was nominated for best original song. Whoa, an original this. song. Yes, uh, it did not win. But I'm pretty sure it was written for the movie. Yeah, it does say, well, it says from the 1988 film Cocktail. I'm looking on it right now. Yeah. That's crazy. That song definitely, I'd say, lasts the, the test of time long, more than more than yep. the movie does. Yeah, I agree. Okay, very cool. So I, I'm going to give this pretty good. I'm going to give this a pretty, so light, slightly better than just okay. I'm going to say it's pretty good. All right, now we are talking... The 1982 to 1993 sitcom Cheers, another bar-centric show. This show lasted for 11 seasons, 275 episodes, and it aired on NBC. Uh, It was created by James Burroughs and Les Charles. James Burroughs also directed the vast majority of episodes on Cheers, also directed uh, most of the Will and Grace show, um, and lots of other shows for, like, you know, Uh, for a good few episodes, things like Mike and Molly, some friends, things like that. 
Les Charles was a writer on Taxi and the Bob Newhart Show mm-hmm. as well. Uh, the cast, Sam Malone, is played by Ted Danson. Uh, you would know him from Becker or more recently The Good Place, mm-hmm. things like that. Three Men and a Baby. What's well, Three Men and a Baby? Absolutely. Three Men and a Baby. Carla is played by Rhea Perlman. Uh, I remember her maybe best from the movie Matilda. Yeah. Uh, besides this, and she had a small role in Taxi also and just plenty of stuff, though. Yeah. Was married famously to Danny DeVito for a long time. Yep, exactly. And she sat right behind me in the movie Avatar. Both Danny DeVito and Rhea Perlman sat oh. right behind me when I watched Avatar when I moved out to Los Angeles. Nice. Or when I was living out in Los Angeles. And uh, we ended up parking on the same uh, lot, uh, in the same <laughs> parking lot area of that star uh, the, of the Starlight. Nice. Uh, they drove a white uh, Prius at the time. Okay. I know too much. I, I remember all that. <laughs> for some reason. Well, that would that would have been a pretty memorable thing, especially if yes. that, especially if you just moved there. Yeah, it was 2010, so I'd only been there for probably a year and a half or so. Okay. I think when that came out, maybe it was 2009. I can't remember when remember when Avatar came out. Which, by the way, I don't give any fucks about Avatar two. No, I don't. I saw the trailer, which yeah, it was like a part of the trailer for. Um, Doctor Strange. I, I haven't rewatched the movie since I saw it in theaters. Yeah. I just, that, I, have, I have no interest. I mean, I, I was definitely enjoying the hype train. And yeah, I saw it out in Los Angeles, like I said, with my good friend Danny DeVito and Rhea Perlman. <laughs> but like, I'm sorry. They waited too fucking long to, to bring this, to put this one out. You just mm-hmm. don't care anymore. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, Cliff is played by John Ratzenberger. Uh, I think he's pretty famously known from all of his Pixar work, yeah. honestly, <laughs> besides uh, besides this show. Norm. Afternoon, everybody. Norm! He's played by George Went. Um, he's been tons of little spots uh, on different things, um, movies like Fletch and Gung Ho, but I will almost always think of him as one of the super fans on SNL. <laughs> oh, yeah. Duh Bears. Yeah. Duh Bears. Also, uh, wasn't he in the black and white video? Yes, it, Black he, or he white. was. He was the father at the beginning. I'm pretty. I think. I think you're right. I yeah. think you're right on that one. Okay. Uh, Fraser Crane is played by Kelsey Grammer. Uh, we know him as Fraser because he had a very popular show that lasted uh, eleven seasons in its own right. Right after this show, um, he played the same character for over twenty years, which at yeah. the time was a record. I believe it. Also, yeah. sideshow Bob. And Sideshow Bob and Beast in X Men Three. Yep. <laughs> so, which was a good role for him. It just it fit perfectly. It absolutely did fit. But I, physically, I'm not. I don't know that it fit. But personality yeah. wise, it was a perfect fit. I think. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, so the part of Frasier uh, for Cheers was actually written for John Lithgow. Oh, I could see that. I absolutely could see that. I I think they made the right choice going with with uh, Kelsey Grammer. Well, it wasn't really their choice because Lithgow turned him down. He okay. was like, no, nah, I'm, f- I'm a film actor. And so he wasn't interested <laughs> in doing a show. <laughs> I got to do Harry and the Hendersons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going places. <laughs> so uh, Woody is played by Woody Harrelson. And, you know, him from Kingpin, Zombieland, True Detective, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. He's awesome. Uh, Rebecca is played by Kirstie Alley. Uh, she is from Look Who's Talking and Look Who's Talking 2. She had a, sh- a short-lived show called Veronica's Closet in the 90s, mm-hmm. which I don't really remember, but that's the thing. Uh, Diane was played by Shelley Long. I remember her from Money Pit, probably more mostly, as well as Troop Beverly Hills, that kind of stuff. 
And then Lilith, who was uh, Fraser's wife or ex-wife, was played by B.B. Neuwirth. Neuwirth. Bebe or B.B. Neuwirth. Yeah, I'm not, I didn't, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it. I'm looking at it. Yeah. I, I might go with Bebe, but it's hard to tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually talked to – well, she was had a short uh, role. She was the uh, aunt in uh, Jumanji uh, uh, that uh, Kirsten Dunst and the other kid – that was the their oh, okay. aunt who was watching them. That was uh that was BB Neuworth. Okay. She's also was in the show Madam Secretary and some shit like that. So, hmm. uh, the show is set in a bar named Cheers in Boston, uh, where these group of locals you know come to drink and socialize and hijinks ensue, kind of and that kind of stuff. Everything is pretty much mostly set in the bar. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes they'll go out of it and whatnot, but it's really the show's all about. I'd say that the the comic. Um, relationships and, and them talking to each other in this yeah. bar. I mean, it's a great idea for a TV show. Easy to produce. Yes. You, one major set and occasionally have to go out and do other stuff, but mm-hmm. I, 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 it was, I think it was smart writing. Yeah, very much so. Uh, and that bar was actually based uh, on a real bar, uh, not called Cheers, but called Bull and Finch, the Bull and Finch Pub um, in Beacon Hill neighborhood of Boston which all the exterior shots are of the Bull and Finch, uh, but they kind of did change the name right. to Cheers, um, which actually today the Bull and Finch has rebranded and they're called Cheers Beacon Hill. So they have <laughs> taken the Cheers name on their own. Okay. So, I mean, you know, why, why not cash in on that? Exactly. I'd like to know, you know, other than the fitting cocktail, cocktail is the more nostalgic thing for me. Right. Uh, but what is your kind of nostalgic memory of Cheers? I didn't watch Cheers all too much. It it definitely was when I was a kid. It was a show for adults. It definitely seemed like a show for adults. There wasn't anything flashy uh, in it. You know, they were all they were literally just sitting around talking. There was no action going on. So we'll br- we'll bring it up. I'm I'm sure. But uh, I mean, I the the theme song was the only real tie I had mm. to the show. But I mean, honestly, when I picked it for this, I picked it for the theme. And it's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's an iconic show. So yeah. at some point we were going to have to talk about it. Oh, yeah. So I mean, I, yeah, exactly. I felt sense. now is as good a time as any. Definitely. And I, very similar to you, it wasn't a show that played in our households. Either our mom and dad, neither of them really watched it that mm-hmm. I remember. Yeah. And so it just wasn't one that, that I was exposed to. But I always knew of it. You know, everyone knew Cheers and you knew it was like just one of those huge shows. It was kind of like. You know, it kind of was like, you know, oh, man, from back in the 70s, MASH was known as, like, the top sitcom. And then Cheers right. took over as the next top sitcom. And then, like, Seinfeld or something else or right. Friends after that and kind of stuff like that. So um, I knew it was the It show. But, yeah, nothing gravitated. And you said exactly because there was no action. It was just people talking. And so I didn't care. But, yeah, as you mentioned, you brought up the th- theme song. We might as well talk about it now. Uh, it had a hell of a theme song. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Everybody knows your 
song was um, Where Everybody Knows Your Name by Gary Portnoy. It hit number 83 on the Hot 100, so it even charted. Wow. It made my list for top 80s theme songs, and mm-hmm. I, it probably made your list somewhere as well. I don't remember if it made my list. It probably made honorable mentions at worst. Okay. Yeah. Uh, apparently, in a 2011 reader's poll in Rolling Stone, uh, the theme, this uh, Where Everybody Knows Your Name, was voted the best television theme of all time. Uh, and then in 2013, in a uh, editor, the editors of TV Guide magazine named it the greatest TV theme of all time. So a lot of people out there do consider it to be the greatest theme song of any sitcom and any show. Mm-hmm. So, which is good. It's just it's not. I mean, and it's probably because we're not nostalgic for the show, right? Right. Um, and that's just kind of where it holds it down a little bit. So, the rest of the music on the show was done by Craig Safan or Safin. Uh, he did music for Stand and Deliver, which is a pretty good movie. Uh, Major Pain and some other stuff. So I just kind of wanted to bring him up. Apparently, the series finale was watched by an estimated 93 million viewers, Ooh. which is almost 40% of the U.S. population at the time, <laughs> which just sounds insane. Yeah. <laughs> like, you cannot get 40% of a population to do anything at the same time <laughs> anymore. Right. So in, uh, in 2002, Cheers was ranked number 18 on TV Guide's 50 greatest TV shows of all time. So the show itself is very much lauded as a, as a Marvel, not a Marvel, but like just one of the better shows in mm-hmm. 2013, the writers guild of America ranked it the eight, the eighth best written TV show. Um, and that one I can totally get from watching the show, this show, because they rely on the banter mm-hmm. between it and the quips and like these relationships, the writing and the jokes have to be on point when it comes with that. So I can see it like being really high rated for a written show. Yeah. I only ended up watching about two or three episodes and I I kind of watched them back to back. I actually watched the first one and really liked it. Mm-hmm. So I kept watching. The next two actually were mm, okay. And I had intended on going and watching a later one because I know uh, Fraser Crane didn't come in until like season three or four, mm-hmm. and then Kirstie Alley's character didn't come in till later. And I'd intended on going to watch that, but I, I didn't end up getting that far in. But that I tell you what, that first episode actually grabbed me. I found mm-hmm. it charming and funny. I was like, I can see how this was a hit. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and I ended up watching um, ones from, I think it was season five. Maybe one from season four and one's from season five. So uh, I saw, because I think Shelley Long's character ended in season four uh, at the end of that one. And Kirstie Alley, I think, started in five. And so I, I saw both of the kind of them. Okay. And they were also the love interests for Ted Dance's character. Right. I liked it. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the show as an older adult. Now, I'm a, I think I'm an adult. <laughs> I got the jokes. I really appreciated the writing. Oh, I did see that. Some of these characters are in the same universe as Wings. Uh, so some of the guys have shown up on Wings. Actually, I remember the episode because it was like Norm and Cliff, I think, were sitting at the at the bar or the, you know, or Helen's Diner or right. something at Wings, which totally makes sense. And also insane elsewhere. Um, oh, geez. So 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 those characters ended up popping around. Uh, there were two spinoffs. Of course, I already mentioned Frasier, which is the huge, equally popular show, all mm-hmm. basically. Um, and also great writing on Frasier. Right. Uh, and then a short-lived, like a, it only lasted for 13 episodes, a show called The Tortellis, uh, which was like 
some of the family from uh, Rhea Perlman's character. Oh. Some of her is like a spinoff of her family. Huh. So, but she wasn't on the show, really, the Tortellis. It was, it was her ex-husband, and, the, oh. and that's what it was. I don't know how so. they thought that was going to be a hit. No idea. But yeah, overall, this show was solid. I can totally see the hype. I'm not sure yet if it's one I'm going to try and dive into. I bet Keisha might honestly like it mm-hmm. because she loved Frasier. Okay. And she might appreciate seeing, you know, Frasier older. And the, I think the the quick writing is similar from one to the other. Mm-hmm. And so I think she might she might appreciate the show. So I might I might try and what I might try and watch it with her because, you know, her and I we're always like kind of looking for new shows that we both like or, you know, new to us shows that right. we both like. Because some of us, we have we have quite different tastes for a lot of stuff or we end up going back to the same stuff right. all the time. And yeah. it's like, all right, back to Scrubs, back to Brooklyn Nine-Nine, back to Superstore right. uh, and just watch them or Always Sunny or something and just kind of rewatching those. So I kind of like getting some new ones in. So, yeah, I, I dug it. I dug it. And you know what? I'll probably try and watch a couple more for sure. I I'll be honest. I don't think I will go back and and watch okay. more. Um, I think if it if it came on and I was in a position where there was nothing else to watch, I'd be happy to watch it because I know I'd probably enjoy it. I don't see myself getting hooked on it though, to be honest. Okay. This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by. Take a nap. What a hug. Get a load of him. Well, there's a super party and a party His name is Buds McKenzie. With a beach in sight and a cold bud light. He's in the party frenzy. He's Buds McKenzie. What party loving happening, dude? Go, go, Spuds. Go, Spuds. Go. Bye, Spuds. All right, let's get to the casting portion of the show. We are going to recast Cocktail using actors of today. And a small handful of characters that probably need to be recast. Obviously, we need to do Brian and Doug. Jordan, of course. We're also going to add in Carrie, who was the woman that Doug married. Coral, who is the photographer, played by Gina Gershon, and Bonnie, who is the rich person that uh, Brian went home with. Mm-hmm. So we'll do those characters, and we'll start with Bonnie. Adam, let's hear you first. All right. Um, so I kind of wanted to keep a, I think, a, a very, yes, you needed attractive and who could give off rich vibes. Um, I wanted them to be a good bit older than my Jordan mm-hmm. because like, you know, that, that, that is, I think, you know, when you're usually going to have a woman who has made that much money or any person who's made that much money, typically they're slightly older person, mm-hmm. but they also have to be, yeah, attractive and then, and all that stuff. Um, I know, know her best from Mad Men and I think she knocks it out for what I'm looking for. I went with Christina Hendricks as you, my Bonnie. You know what? I actually looked at her. Okay. I did look at her. I didn't go with her, but she was definitely one I saw. And I could see her playing like the the rich uh, New York businesswoman. Yeah. Absolutely. Sure. Totally fine with that. Uh, I ended up going with uh, probably a bigger name. Okay. Um, and maybe even a little bit older, actually, even still than Bonnie. Actually, I think my age disparity between uh, Bonnie and, and Brian is actually pretty big uh, okay. in this one. <laughs> But I I think that's fine because I I wanted Brian to still be in his like kind of 
you know, early 20s because he's fresh out of the Army. At, mm-hmm. at best, it was four years, so it's it's he's going to be still 22 as if he was just out of college. So I yep. went with some younger actors for, for him and, and Jordan. But for Bonnie, I went with an older one and someone who I know can be uh, – and Bonnie wasn't necessarily kind of sultry, but I think in this day and age you're going to go with someone who can do that. And so I went with Kate Blanchett. Okay. I could see her being sultry. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. She looks a she big looked, name. Uh, I I think it'd be fun to kind of see her out of you know, surprise, come mm-hmm. out of nowhere. I could see her being someone who runs a company or something yes. like that, you know, or is is high up in a company because that's that's essentially that's what you need. Nope, absolutely. She has she has that kind of air, you know, Galadriel air of, <laughs> of being, you know, kind of you know, in that upper echelon, you could be, say, rich stuff, too. So, yeah. And, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Uh, all right. Coral, the Gina Grishon character. I ended up going with an actress who uh, has been on a show. We just finished up the second season of Picard. I have to say we were kind of disappointed with the season. Okay. Um, this is season two. This is season two of Picard. They've they've announced that there will be a season three, and it will be the last season. So okay. they're just going to do a three season arc. And I I'm kind of you know just kind of complaining here because they they did the whole Star Trek time travel thing where they kind of went back to modern uh, times and like to us I'm like we live in modern times. I don't want to see this. I want to see uh-huh. the spacey future of Star Trek. I I don't like it when they kind of come back to the time we live in. Mm-hmm. That bugs me. But there is an, a young actress who's on there who had a much more prominent role in season one, uh, and they kind of gave her some weird alternate role in season two. Uh, she's a younger actress, but I think she's got a good look and could work for this. Her name is Issa Briones. Okay. Checking her out. I do not know her. I only know her from Picard, so. Yeah. I, I, I'd imagine she'd be fine. I, like I could see her being like a New York photographer. Yeah, How about that. Yeah, she had the I right guess. look. I was going for. Yep. Um, oddly enough, the person I picked for Jordan, I think, could also work well in this role. But I wanted her Sorry. for Jordan instead. So fair. Uh, all right, uh, Carrie, Carrie Coglin, uh, who is the wife of Doug, who tries. Oh, to uh, you didn't hear. You didn't get my. Call. Oh, you're right. I did not. Yep. Well, I didn't want to hear it anyway. That's fine. You didn't have to. No. All right. Uh, who was your coral? So this actress, you probably are more familiar with her than I am. Uh, because you were a fan and you you watched the show Lovecraft Country, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, I know her actually mostly from her voice work on Big Hero 6. Uh, she was also on the show The Gifted, but I didn't watch that and I heard it wasn't very good. But a very, uh, you know, attractive, good actress. I went with Jamie Chung as my coral. Uh, oh, yeah. I, for a second, I forgot what her character was in uh, in Lovecraft Country, but I do remember her mm-hmm. now i'm i'm fine with her she's definitely got that uh, i think she's got a good new york look yeah i think that's a i think that's a solid solid pick cool thank you solid pick going through her stuff i didn't watch the gifted that was was that the marvel one yeah yeah it it, it tanked yeah once upon a time oh she played mulan in once upon a time i probably oh. saw her in that because i think my uh, wife watched that one pretty religiously while it was on okay so, man, she's been around for a while. She's got a lot of... I'm just going down through her stuff. She's she got a lot of credits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was in Command & Conquer Red Alert 3. <laughs> she did a voice on that. Voice and yeah. That's, That's pretty funny. cool. 
right, now let's go to Carrie Coughlin. Okay. All right, who did you pick? Uh, I'm with one of the bigger names on on my list here on uh, on my casting. Uh, again, very similar to Bonnie. You had to pick someone who has a presence to them because mm-hmm. um, Carrie is very rich. Uh, I doubt my actress realizing now would want to be in as little clothing as <laughs> Carrie was. But I'd be okay watching it because she is an absolutely stunning beauty and she does give like an air of um, elegance and kind of rich vibes. I went with Gal Gadot, Gal Gadot as my Carrie. I could see that. I think that's, yeah, I could see that. Okay. Honestly, she looks similar to the actress I pick. Not exact, okay. not exactly, but kind of the same. I don't know how to extra it. I'm not sure how to describe this the way, but I, I like... I feel like they're kind of similar. Okay. But I went, I like Gal Gadot. Actually, and I like her in that role specifically. Okay. I think that works. Uh, I went with an actress, I'm, I know you know, um, because she's in uh, a movie we all love. She was also in a very beloved TV show that very famously people feel got cut off too short. I went with Marina Baccarin. Yeah, yeah. Once you said that, I had a feeling where you were going to go with that one. Um, I same similar vibes where she has like an elegance to her, mm-hmm. beautiful woman, um, really good actress. I like her a lot. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I, that fits. That fits very well. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and move on to Jordan. Um, I I I picked my Jordan to match my Brian in terms of age. She's about the right age. I gotta say, I don't know about you, but I always feel like that. Girls in '80s movies seemed older than their actual <laughs> ages on screen. Am, am I uh-huh. weird for thinking that? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I want to say it was the yes. hair. The hair made them seem. Maybe older. It could have been. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It kind of definitely pr- brings me that that vibe. Yeah, I think you're right. So, I don't know that I've ever seen this girl play a role kind of like Jordan because Jordan, the Jordan role is kind of a vulnerable role. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, she's very much a, a you know girl next the as you mentioned the girl next door, but I was really I've been really impressed with her and everything I've seen her in, including um, including a Transformers movie which I don't care about. Uh, I went with Haley Steinfeld. Okay, I could see that. Um, she played rich rich girl in Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, she's got a lot of sass. She's got more sass, at least in that movie. I'm just thinking about that and right. thinking True Grit. Those right. are the two things I've seen for her. She's got a lot more sass than Jordan does. Right. Um, but she's an actress. She doesn't uh, have to have you sassy and everything. Part of me thinks she might be better suited for Coral. I could see that too. But I wasn't. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't coming up with a, a better option that I could think of for Jordan. Okay. So I went no. with her for that. No, uh, that's good. All right, who'd you go with? Uh, I went with an actress who I actually. I can't say. I don't know if I've I've seen much of the stuff that she's been. She's been in some episodes of Empire. Uh, she was in Runaways, which is another Marvel show. <laughs> I think. Yeah. yeah yep. Uh, which I did not watch. Nope. Uh, she's also was in Thirteen Reasons Why, another show I didn't watch. But she's has a good bit of different roles. Um, she she's attractive. I was trying to get um, some some you know, some more color, honestly, mm-hmm. into my cocktail. Cause there was no color in this, in yeah. this cocktail. <laughs> and, uh, she kind of get, I get from the pictures that I've seen 
of her in some of her roles. I get Girl Next Door vibes. Like she just has that look to me, but also gorgeous Girl Next Door vibes. And that is Elizabeth Shue as well. I'm with, uh, and I know I'm going to butcher pronouncing, but it's Ageona Alexis. Uh, A-J-I-O-N-A. Trying to see. Yeah, not I've, I've not watched... I have not watched any of this stuff, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. She, I gotta say though, first first impression off the picture, big time girl next door vibe. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what that kind of locked me in. I so I am I'm I'm on board. Okay, cool. I'm on board Take with that. It. And you know what? Getting some more kind of unknown. Sometimes I feel mm-hmm. we get like in a rut of using a lot of the same actors over and over again. <laughs> so yeah. I I I like that you uh you change things up a good bit. Cool. Thank you. All right, Coughlin's Law. Doug, who did you go with? Uh, so, Doug, uh, I never understood how Doug could get these ladies because, again, I don't think it was written very well <laughs> of how he did. So I needed to find somebody who is not American, um, but also, in my opinion, could pull some ladies away from, like, a Tom Cruise type. Um, so I went with... Uh, and it guy, he's very attractive. Some ladies love him. Whether he's good or bad, you always love him in the role as Loki. I went with Tom Hiddleston as my Doug. I also think he kind of has somewhat of a similar look even to the actual yeah. Doug actor. I like that. I like that. Okay. Fine. I don't know. I almost want to say he's probably, I'm like, oh, he's too young. He's probably not too young. He's probably the exact same age or older than um, than the actor was when they did that. Yeah, he's um he's forty one right now. Or f- yeah, okay, he's forty one. He's our age. So when you watch people who are our age do stuff like that, does it make you feel like you've not achieved jack shit in your life? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I think LeBron James was born the same year I was. I can't remember. He's probably no he he was oh he's December of eighty four so he's older than me. Okay. So that's why I still have a year to reach LeBron James money and, and fame. So, okay, I'm good. Well, you got the talent. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, Gal Gadot. Hey, thank you. I heard that coughing. Yeah. Gal Gadot is from 1985, I believe. So, okay. But in general, yes, I, um, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, sad. I mean, uh, Tom Hiddleston is a big name who would absolutely pull uh, people in to see this. And mm-hmm. you know, he can play smirky and smarmy very, very yep. well. Yes. So I think that's a that's a smart call. Um, I ended up going with an actor who is a little bit older, um, and I kind of went for I see I see how like the Doug could pull people away because I felt he was more charming than Brian was. Okay. He had more yeah, wit. Um, you know, he has, you know he can make them laugh. I think a little bit more. So I went with maybe unconventional choice, a sort of unconventional charm. Um, he is a little bit older, so I might have to age him down just a little bit for this. But the dude's a solid actor, and I don't know if I've ever seen him play a role like this because we because he's in sci-fi all the time. Okay, I went with Andy Serkis. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you probably have to age him down, which wouldn't be tough. Just make sure he doesn't have a beard or dye dye the beard. And mm-hmm. I mean, there's probably at one point I would have been like, no, John, he is the uh, if he's not in motion capture, what's the point? <laughs> but, you know, the role that really changed my mind on him was uh, his Ulysses Claw in uh-huh. uh, Black Black Panther. Yeah. I, I was upset that he died, and I was upset that we didn't get more of him because he was probably my favorite, uh, one of my favorite 
actors on the on the movie because he did such a fun job. Yeah. I didn't care for him all that much as Alfred, um, but I just don't. I just think they kind of did Alfred dirty in the Batman mm-hmm. recently movie. But overall, he's a fucking awesome actor, and so I, you know, what I'm sure I could see it. Okay, and I could see him being smooth. All right. Uh, all right. Well, let's go ahead and go to Brian. I have to admit, I was between two actors, and I think I went. I think I chose the bigger name. I don't feel. Okay. I don't know that we have like a Tom Cruise type that's in their twenties right now. Um, yeah. It's hard to say. Maybe I'm just not watching enough younger stuff. Um, but I went with a uh, an actor who I know can lead a film because he's led other films, and he's kind of a big uh, name right now. Uh, I went with uh, Shyamalan Ding Dong, Timothy Chalamet. Oh, okay. You know, I, I never saw Dune. I saw, so, and I don't know if I've seen anything with him Timothy Chalamet. I saw parts of Dune. I caught like uh-huh. the end of it when uh, my wife was watching it, um, and it was—I mean, it's a visual spectacle for sure, um, uh-huh. and it looked fine. Dune is fine. I'm not as huge a big Dune fan as, as especially my wife is. She's a huge fan of. Uh, Dune. Um, yeah, never seen him in anything, but he seems to be kind of like the new it guy, it guy, yeah. uh, for for like it for that age. So I would, and, and like it, as in like a good actor as well yeah. as what a lot of people say. My other one, and I don't know if you can see this. My other one was actually uh, Dacker Montgomery. Oh, okay. I mean, I like him from Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could see him leading a film. Okay, like this. That, that is I like, think that's you know, why I went with the bigger name. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm cool with that. Okay. So uh, my guy is. Not terribly different also. Uh, let's see. Timothy Chalamet was born in 95 in New York, New York. Uh, my guy was born in 94 in New York, New York. So he is just a year older. He's 28 years old right now. He plays kind of young kids. And I think he's got a good look where he can kind of have uh, Tom Cruise vibes. I never saw him in the Divergent series, uh, but I loved him in Baby Driver. I went with Ansel Elgort. Okay. I think I yeah. did. I, lo- I think I did look at him as sort of initially, but I, I kind of went away with it. But he's proven that he can lead a movie in uh, mm-hmm. in Baby Driver, and I also I think yeah. I saw the first one in the Divergent series, and immediately uh-huh. was like, well, I'm not continuing this. Um, yeah. Oh, he is the was he the lead? Yeah, he's the lead in uh, West Side Story as well recently. Okay, so, I haven't watched that yeah. either. No, I'm not, and I'm not going. I'm to not either. <laughs> I don't give a crap about West Side Story. <laughs> I mean, I saw the original. It was fine. It's not one of my favorite uh, musicals. Yeah. So, you know, I, I have no real reason to really go back and watch those. So, yeah, I, I'm totally fine with that. Uh, he's definitely cool. somebody I think I could see them pulling into to lead a movie. Cool. All right. Well, that was our recasting of Cocktail. Please join us next time for another Top 10 episode. John and I are joined by Beatles fanatic Will Dennison to count down our Top 10 Beatles songs. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time.
Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late-night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get.